this time, Junior Church, um, for our young people, may be dismissed. Thank you to those working in Junior Church. Thankful for that. Matthew chapter 23, we're going to continue our series in Matthew 23. You could also put your finger in Matthew 15. I'm going to read longer than I normally do, and so if you're uh, not one to stand for a long time, I won't, won't ask you to. But I'm going to read Matthew 23, 25, and 26, but then I'm going to read Matthew 15, 1 through 20, um, because they are related. So if you have your finger in Matthew 23 and Matthew 15, you can stand for the reading of God's word, um, but also understand it's going to be a long one, so understand if you're not physically able to. Matthew 23, verses 25 and 26. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Now reading in Matthew 15, verse 1, Then came Jesus, then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition, ye hypocrites. Well did Esaias prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also without under, yet without understanding? Do not ye understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the drought? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. You may be seated. Father, we ask for wisdom in this text and that the truth of what's clean and unclean would be clear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in a series in Matthew 23. It's Jesus is proclaiming or denouncing woe 
upon the nation. And he's focusing his attention on Pharisees. This sermon, and it is a sermon, is happening in the temple. So I've, I've kind of laid out the book of Matthew this way. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry of preaching, it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's open to everybody to hear. And it starts, the Sermon on the Mount, with blessings. Those are called the Beatitudes, of which there are nine. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Okay, so it starts with blessings. God wants to bless you. God doesn't want to curse you. God wants to bless you if you would just listen. If you would just listen to what Jesus is preaching. And three years ago, Jesus preached to them, Blessed, if you're poor in spirit. Blessed are you, if you, you know, are the merciful, for they shall inherit the earth. Be a merciful person. Be, be a poor person in spirit. However, his preaching was ignored by the Pharisees and scribes, the religious leaders. So now we're at the end of Jesus' ministry, and it's woes. Woes are the opposite of cursed. Cursed on you, leaders of this nation, you blind leaders of the blind that have led the people astray in not believing what I've told unto you, but holding to your tradition. So Jesus' ministry of preaching started with blessings, nine beatitudes in Matthew 5. It's closing now here with eight curses or woes upon the nation. Cursed, the word woe even means horror upon thee. Great destruction is upon thee for not listening. Put it this way in this series. Warnings, unheeded, become woes. That's why preaching is a bit dangerous. Time of preaching is a bit dangerous because either you're going to be confronted and take heed or your heart, okay, your heart will harden. And if your heart hardens, then you're sealing your destruction, as did the scribes and Pharisees. We'll talk more about why that is. Three thoughts this week about uncleanness. First, the controversy over uncleanness. That's the discussion that we're having is about uncleanness. Now, I referenced Matthew 15, and we're going to spend some time there because this is where the controversy began. And again, when it comes to preaching, um, declaration of truth, which Jesus was doing, This is also interesting. These are the high and mighty scribes and Pharisees, the Jerusalem contingent. And I'm thinking about that verse, it's in Amos, it says, put up with this, with something that they actually didn't follow the law, but they made their own rules. And, you know, that could be us. Woe that are at ease in Zion, that let, as it were, go in one ear and out the other. 
And you know what people do sometimes to make matters worse when it comes to preaching is what these guys are doing here in Matthew 15.1. They came from Jerusalem for one reason, to find fault. They didn't know ahead of time what the fault they were going to find was, but they came to find fault. That was their purpose. I'm sure the little town they came into said, wow, these are the real Pharisees, the Jerusalem Pharisees. And they had one thing on their mind, which was to find fault. I believe is a big hindrance when it comes to preaching. Too often, I think people come to find fault or to critique. You're going to get the benefit from the preaching and teaching of God's word if you come as if you're a restaurant critic. <laughs> the restaurant critic doesn't eat the meal. They come and they, they sample little portions of the meal to give it a rating. Four stars. <laughs> but like I said, this preaching, these warnings that are being issued, it's not, uh, it's not for that purpose. Too often people are, are, are eager to criticize, as were these scribes and Pharisees, and look what happens to them. Because now Jesus has come to their place. Okay, the scribes came out to the countryside to find fault with Jesus. They're the critics of preaching. Don't be that way. Your life isn't going to be blessed if, if that's your mentality. And I can tell you, even in a short time that I've been pastor, in three years, I've seen people's lives blessed. Remember how we talked about the blessings, the Beatitudes? And just see people's lives blessed. Nothing to do with me, everything to do with the preaching of the Word of God and, and the counsel and, and, and listening to what God has for you and heeding the warnings, and you see the blessings. But it scares you on the other side when these scribes, their attitude was, you know what, I'll just take what Jesus is doing and I'll dissect it. I'll break it down in little pieces. I'll think about it. You, you, need, to be, you, know, you need to respond to the preaching of God's word when it's happening. You, you don't just like pick it apart. That's not the way to do it. And then take it home and play with it. And so this is what these, these Jerusalem Pharisees are. So now Jesus comes to their home court. Right? Jesus is in the temple, and these very ones that came out to find fault with him, he's prosecuting them. Okay, they were prosecuting him in Matthew 15. Now he's come to Jerusalem, and he's prosecuting them in the same way that they did to him. This fault-finding thinking. Now, when we talk about the controversy over cleansing... In verse 10 in Matthew 15, Jesus is telling them, he's preaching to them, and he's saying, here's the problem. Hear and understand. Not that which goes into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. See, what the Pharisees and scribes were guilty of is backwards thinking. First, they were fault finders. But, but secondly, they think backwards. 
And that's where the preaching and teaching of God's word is a benefit to you. Because if we're all honest, we've all thought backwards. We've all had things in wrong order. They're thinking backwards. And even the disciples, you can tell, are having a hard time swallowing this, not to make a pun of it. But they've been taught their whole life that it's the, the things on your fingers, the things that you put in your mouth, it's what you eat that defiles you. That's, that, that defilement is something caught from the outside. But Jesus is saying, in fact, that's not the case. Defilement is something that's brought out from the inside, namely out of the passageway of your mouth. That's where the defilement comes from. You've got to imagine, and, and not to go with another pun, but everybody's choking on this. Okay, they're, they're all choking on this. Peter's choking on it. The disciples are choking on it because they lived these fastidious lives where they were always cleaning and cleansing everything. And in our text today, in Matthew 23, he talks about cups and saucers. And what the understanding of those words would be in that day is fine china. So maybe you grew up in a household where you had fine tableware. This would be like the cup and the saucer. And he's saying, you blind Pharisees, woe unto you, because you... you are polished, you are polished cups. And that's where I got the sermon title from. They're polished cups. It's, it's totally polished on the surface. It looks beautiful. But what if what's inside the cup is filth? That's what he's proposing. That's what he's prosecuting them for. That you're polished cups, but woe unto you for what you hold and contain and for what gets drunk out of you. This is groundbreaking truth. And, and if you are a person that gives attention to preaching, you're going to find that sometimes your thinking's backwards too. Because we all have this tendency. The disciples, even Peter, is thinking, but my whole life I never ate anything un that was um, not lawful. He even says that in the book of Acts. I, I, I've never eaten anything not lawful. And, and, and so this is going to be a new dispensation, and Jesus is declaring it right out right here. It doesn't matter what you eat. Defilement is not caught. It's something that is brought out of you. And this backwards thinking, I, I was talking to my girls um, they recently had been at um, a teaching, and they were teaching just about modesty, all right? And the, the person, the lady that was teaching said, modesty is an issue of the heart. And we hear these things, and we think, well, I thought it's about clothing. Well, in particular, of course, clothing is important, but it's, it's, it, what's important is that in the heart, you're, if, if you're pure in heart, you're going to dress pure. And yes, it's about what we wear, but it's not. It starts in the heart. Even when we're talked about talk about the um, seductress in Proverbs 5 through 7, her dress isn't mentioned until 710. It's her mouth. It's her mouth. 
And it's, it's, so inside a person, they could be impure and yet cover that with a lot of covering. And that can happen. It can happen with men, too. See, men can look proper and, and, and have a proper appearance. But what if their mind is full of filth? We can't see into your mind. We don't know what you look at on a weekly basis. But too many men, and, and it's something that, that, that we uh, need to repent of, which is where we're going to get it, fill their mind with wickedness through, through images. And on the outside, the man looks like a proper man. But inside, he's full of what we just read about, fornication and adultery. We don't want to be polished cups. That's not the right way. To be pure of mind, to be pure of heart. The Bible calls that person and that man a whoremonger. That's the biblical term. But that person could be in a suit. It could be dressed up. Because sins can happen in the mind. Verse 19 tells us that. Matthew 15, 19, it says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. You can sin without moving a muscle. Evil thoughts. You can just fantasize and sin. You can think and sin. You can watch and sin. You can do a lot of things. Even related to all these, look at all the commandments that you can break. Murder. You can break that commandment, thou shalt not kill, in your mind. By simply wanting something bad to happen to someone. Or imagining or, or having a hateful thought towards someone. You can break that commandment in your mind. Murder. And look at the other ones. Adultery and fornication I mentioned, particularly with men. Can, can, can sin and break God's law, thou shalt not commit adultery, with only your mind. And Jesus is trying to say, you Pharisees have, are shined and polished cups. You wear these, these ornate clothing, but inside are excess and extortion. The word excess means self-indulgence. They were indulgent, intemperate people, but they were refined. They were very refined in appearance, but they were not Sadducees. They weren't, you know, rioting in the daylight. But the Bible says even of alcohol that the excess is in it. The riot is in it. And, and don't Think for a minute that, that when they were in private, they didn't indulge themselves in sinfulness. We need to have clean thinking. I mean, we can look at the other commands that are, are broken. False witness. You can lie in your heart. You can lie to yourself. That's why David said, in, the, in Psalm 51, that, he, that God desires truth in the inward parts. Don't lie to yourself. Last week we talked about don't lie to other people, but certainly don't, don't lie. Lies are born in the heart because we start to 
deceive ourselves. Blasphemy committed in the heart against men or God. We have to put a guard on our heart. Now, Jesus explains this. Now, when you were in school and you took science class, you learned about the systems of our body and, you know, the muscular system and the immune system and the various systems that, that we have in our body. I don't know if there's 10. I don't know how many they teach today. This is probably the least favorite system of everybody, but it's the system that cleanses us from pollution, Okay. And Jesus is explaining this system and its benefit. Because everybody's so concerned about getting dirt in their mouth. And Jesus is explaining to them, you know what? God made, we are, as the Bible said, fearfully and wonderfully made. And you can eat dirt. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting you do it. But you could. I mean, some say you eat a pound or, or several pounds of it in a year. And that can be horrifying for mothers, you know, with their, their children, you know, trying to keep their, their kids clean from every little thing. Your kids eat dirt. But thank God he's made a system within the body to cleanse the body of pollution. And Jesus is explaining that. I mean, isn't the Bible wonderful that nobody had ever opened anybody up at this time? In school, I learned about, you know, the first surgeries of people, you know, was a couple of centuries ago. This is 2,000 years ago. Jesus is explaining we have a system, all right, that cleanses the body from pollution. And he's explaining it to Peter. Peter said unto him, declare unto us this parable in 15. It's hard for Peter to understand because he's thought backwards his whole life, that he's been defiled and you know the reason they made a big deal about the defilement? The Old Testament in Exodus and Leviticus talks about cleaning and washing. But it was for the priests. And it was at certain times, if they were going to go into the Holy of Holies, they were going to do some priestly activity, there was a washing. So it's a good idea. The idea is in the law. But it wasn't applied to everyone. What the Pharisees did is they made a law unto themselves, and they started to say, well, you know, any time that um, we go out, we could interact with a Gentile, and we might get some filth on us, some unclean filth from Gentiles, because they're ungodly people. And so they, they, be, they made all these rules about washing plates and cups, and you know, it's kind of like when you go to the store and you get produce, and, you know, my wife brings the produce in, and I just start eating it. And she says, it's not washed. You've got to rinse that off. It's got pesticides on it. It's got all this stuff on it. And, you know, and you can just kind of aggravate your wife by, by, by just, you know, popping it in your mouth. And say, but the Bible says, you know, there's a system. Of course, they didn't have pesticides then, so maybe, maybe we ought to be careful about that. But in verse 17, Jesus speaking says, do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. So it's, you got it backwards. You're backwards thinking. Not only are the Pharisees here fault-finding, accusing you of not washing your hands, but you've got it backwards too, thinking that defilement is something caught. 
something that comes from the outside. No, it's actually right here in the inside, and there's a fountain, the mouth, out of which comes all this defilement. So what's the solution? Well, God's given us a system, Psalm 119.9. God's given us a system spiritually for this. It's his word. It's his word. And if you don't have this verse memorized, you know, especially if you're a man, you know, this is a, a verse that you should, as a young man, have committed to your memory. I know I did, and it was a source of constant um, encouragement and constant warning. It was a filter for me. Wherewithal, verse 9 of Psalm 119, shall a young man cleanse his way? by taking heed thereto according to thy word. God's word is, if you will, your kidneys and your liver and all this. And as a young man living in this world, you have to have that in your mind, that thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. It's God's word. Committing verses to memory, understanding, like Job said, you know, that, uh, I've made a covenant with mine eyes. Wherefore shall I look upon a maid? That having these verses stored in, your, in the database of your mind and letting God bring them to mind when you face temptation of all kinds. And it cleanses you. God's word cleanses you from the inside out. And Jesus here introduces us to this new dispensation where what we eat doesn't matter anymore but all the defilement that is in us. And so, you, you think about the buildup. You know, when our systems don't work, right? To not be gross. But if, you have, if things build up inside of you, you think about bile, you think about gall, you think about if your kidneys aren't working. How much worse? If we're not giving attention to the word of God... And within us are thoughts of anger building up and, and building pressure inside of you or, 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 or thoughts of vulgarness uh, inside of you building up. It's as bad as that situation. I mean, um, where those systems, whether it's your gallbladder, aren't working. And, and you know, we got, you know, not to be indelicate, but we got to see it a little bit. When someone hears gallbladder wasn't working. And then we got to see, you know, like what came, had to be collected. And you're thinking, so that's what's in us. It builds up. If you're not confessing it and getting rid of it, okay? What's building up in your mind, whether it's vulgar images or vulgar thoughts or anger or, or, or jealousy, it's God's word that's the cleansing agent. That's the cleansing of uncleanness. Now let's go back to our main text here. In Matthew 23. And describe this now from the perspective Jesus is coming with his prosecution of them. Now we're into the woes here. As we count them down, 
and he's declaring woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you that came out to see me, finding fault with my disciples, not washing their hands. But this is what you are. You make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within are full of extortion and excess. So here we have extortion is the means. Okay? So when we went back to our, our Matthew 15 text, we saw how they were. They were greedy. Okay? They were greedy. That's what was in their heart. This wanton, craven greediness. And Jesus, back in Matthew 15, mentioned how that people would, would, would reserve funds, essentially putting them in an account where their, where their parents couldn't get at it. And the Pharisees allowed for this so that the parents would, would, would not have any help. They could put it, if you will, and make it sacred. And then when the parents died, they could take it back. That's how greedy. And so what does greed lead to? Greed is that, is that uncleanness, that excess that's inside of us. It leads to extortion, which is an act, an idea. Our creative mind gets working on this. So they found ways to deprive old people of their living. They found ways, as we just read a, a couple weeks ago, of, of, of taking widows' houses and extorting them. All right, taking from them... And how did they do that? We talked about that. Because of their appearance of holiness, people trusted them. So they became trustees of people's estates. And, and when the husbands were dead, these widows would, would, would cleave themselves unto a Pharisee. And the Pharisee would charge a high, you know, it's going to cost you to have me on your will. And then would, would, would devour it for himself. Jesus is saying, you know, you appear like fine china, saucers and plates at the finest meal, but inside of you is the most wicked, the most vile liquid of extorted funds from widows and old people. And you take that and you tip it back and you drink the excess, the indulgence what do you use the funds for? For yourself. To indulge yourself in private. And he's taking them to court for it. He's taking them to task for it. But you know what? Even in this, we see the Lord have a moment of mercy. Look at verse 26. Thou blind Pharisee. Note the change to the singular. It's the first time as we've moved through this text, it's always woe unto you scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites. Blind guides of the blind. But it's almost like Jesus for one moment. Either he locks his eyes upon one of them and says, Thou blind Pharisee. You know what you're doing. You know what I'm saying is true about you. You know what you're full of. Cleanse. There is a cleansing. There is a cleansing from uncleanness. It's repentance. He says, thou blind Pharisee, 
for as wicked as you are, all of us, hate to say it, our innards are all not great. <laughs> our thoughts, like theirs, maybe they haven't blossomed all the way to where we've extorted, but whether it's greed, whether it's lust, whether it's um, anger, these things that have built up inside us, we just got a good look at what it is that's inside of us. What's the cure? What's the cleansing? What do we need? Repentance. Repentance is that turning from sin. It's that, it's that, I don't want it anymore. I know what I am and I don't like it. That's repentance. And he's saying and he's offering to any one Pharisee, thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within. He cares. Even while he's pronouncing woe on them, even while he's, he's prosecuting them, even though they're, they're, they're full of widows' houses and, 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 and money that was dedicated to parents, they're the worst kind of sinners, they're full of this wickedness, Jesus is saying there's hope. He's saying cleanse. And we know, you know, as the hymn, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Jesus is about to spill his blood for them, the Pharisees, the scribes, the nation, for you, for me, so that there's a cleansing agent, so there's a way to get rid of the pollution that is inside us, to cleanse us from all wickedness and uncleanness, such that a person who's saved, when we get to John, you know, 1 John 1, 9, he can cleanse us from all unrighteousness, the kind from the inside and the kind that occasionally comes out. He wants to clean us, but you need to repent. So he looks, as it were, at one, or at least singles one out, or, or, or says to that one, thou blind Pharisee, cleanse. You can be saved if you will just repent. Start on the inside, though. Repentance is not, I'm going to clean up my life so I can come to Christ. That's wrong. You'll never clean it up enough. You'll never polish it up enough. You'll never, even the finest chinery in the, you, know, you could ever get your hands on, it's not good enough. Because God says, my eyes are purer than can behold iniquity. So you're looking in the wrong place. If you're just trying to make yourself decent and wash yourself on the outside, you'll never be able to clean yourself enough. You'll never be able to wash yourself enough. You have to look inside and what's in there. When we get a good look at the, the wickedness and the vileness of that, that liquid, if you will, that was in their cup of greed and extortion, if you look in yours, you see, oh, that's bad. That's really bad. Start there. But where do you go? You go to Jesus. You go to him. And you humble yourself. You know, here you think about the Pharisee and the publican. Just think about them for a minute, if you will, with me. Think about how, what was the publican's game? Greed and extortion? Yes. The tax collectors? 
Greed and extortion, right? But they just were open about it. Everybody knew who they were. They were greedy extortioners. The Pharisee, what's his game? <laughs> Greed and extortion. It's just that he did it religiously. He did it in the garb of a Pharisee. So Jesus is saying these two people are no different. What's the difference? Repentance. The publican said, oh, be merciful to me, a sinner. He cried out and said, clean me. I'm a greedy extortioner. Everybody knows it. I know it. And he beat upon his chest. He would not so much as look up into heaven. But the Pharisee, he came to the same place of prayer and probably looked upward with his arms like this and said, I, I, I thank thee, O God, that I am not as others are, extortioners and greedy. But you are. <laughs> Jesus just said, that's what, they, you, your whole class of Pharisees, this is who you are. You just cover it up with niceties and with garments that make you look like a polished cup. But inside the cup, you're the same as the publican. You take widows' houses. You take people's inheritance. You just do it, and, and everybody knows you're doing it. It's just that you're doing it under the guise of being a holy person. So that Pharisee needed, like the publican, to beat his chest before God. That's what Jesus is saying here. Whether you're religious or you're not religious, whether you have spent your life trying to do good works or you've spent your life doing evil works, it doesn't matter. You have to start with the inside because you know inside of you is a really bad person. You have to start with repentance. And what does it look like? It looks like that publican who said, Unto God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, which one do you think went down to his house justified? The answer is the greedy extortioner that repented, the publican. Not the greedy extortioner that kept it covered up, polished. Let's pray. Father, we thank thee for the word of God, its cleansing power. But the center of the word is Christ. And it's only the blood that can cleanse our sins. So, Father, we pray that we would come unto you. Seek your salvation through your Son, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.